This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And as you know, I've been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist and had the privilege to receive my Ph.D. January or January, July 31st, 1981. So just beginning my 40th year now of work. And, you know, Throughout my career, I've met a lot of people. I've dealt with a lot of things. We talk about a lot of issues like the mental side of sports on this show, self-confidence, attitudes, focus, preparation, how we deal with with parents, with coaches, with success, with failure, with mental health. And as we're getting started here with uh, schools opening back up again, thank goodness we're, we're at a place now where, where athletes, young athletes, are able to go back to school and start playing sports again. One of the things that happens when you play sports is you get hurt. And it's funny, years ago I, on a show I did, it was not a sports psychology show, it was a g- generic psychology show, uh, I interviewed some people who were overweight, and one lady said, you know, I don't exercise because people who exercise get hurt. And I said, well, but don't you take care of yourself physically? She goes, no, I just like to sit on a couch and eat bags of Lay's potato chips, and I don't like to glisten because people who exercise glisten. I thought that was a very odd statement. Um, Yeah, people who compete and are athletic can get hurt. They push themselves mentally and physically to succeed. Sometimes injuries happen that are more severe than others, one of the things that we've become much more knowledgeable about over the past several years is, is the topic of concussions and dealing with concussions, treating concussions, working with them. And joining me today is an expert in this. His name is Dr. Evan Miladinov. I've known him for a number of years. He is a chiropractor in the Kansas City area, one of the most experienced chiropractors around. And he's done extensive research and treatment on hundreds and hundreds of people with concussions. So, Evan, thanks for joining me today. Great to be here, Doc. You know... Give us a little bit of history about your background, because you, you really have a, a quite dynamic background in this. Well, thanks for having me again. And um, probably the best thing is, as a young athlete, I lost a college scholarship in track and field because I had shin splints. And nobody could fix me. I ended up going to a chiropractor. Now we're talking in the 60s. I uh, went to a chiropractor who used acupuncture on me and got me better. So that was kind of like the beginning of my journey. It was like, this is pretty cool stuff. How do I learn how to do this to help other athletes, even though I kind of missed a shot? Uh, but I was able to go to two Olympic trials, one in track and field uh, in 1968, and then one in the sport of sprint, canoe, and kayak in 1976 while I was a student at the Chiropractic College in Canada. Well, well the end result of that was 
I ended up being the team doctor for the Canadian national canoe team in 78-79. Should have gone to the Moscow Olympics, but we all know yeah, that— Should have a lot of people. Should have. That's as a lot of people. Fortunately, I, I didn't have the emotional scars that the athletes did, but my wife would probably disagree with that. Um, but that well, was— let, let's, Hold on one sec. Let, let's talk about that for a minute because this is a show about <laughs> psychology, and I talk about mental health on here. Um, to train, to, to prepare— for something like the Olympics, which which we're dealing with now, with last year the Olympics being canceled, of course now they're going on in Tokyo. But what was that like to to you know you put your mind, soul, body, your spirit, everything into training for something like that, and it gets taken away from you for something you had nothing to do with? Well, to to that point, I didn't make it to the to the Olympic team, but I left it all out in the field. I you know, came close, but so I have no regrets that way. But you know, when you when you are, are in the pipeline to be selected as a physician, like how do you compete compete to be a team doctor for where there's no at that time there was no chiropractors, there was only you know minimal medical staff on the Olympic teams, as you know, when you were in the uh, in the LA Olympics, and so like how do you compete to be a doctor on a team as opposed to being an athlete on a team? So. It was a little bit different, but I still carry two things. I carry the dream of I still think I'm going to be on an Olympic team, even though I'm like approaching 70. Uh, this virus was planted in me by my first coach that I just have this love for the Olympics. Now, again, my wife would say, you know, you're living in the 60s and 70s. The Olympics are not the same as when you grew up. And there's 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 more politics, there's more money, and there's more a bunch of other stuff. But, uh, you know, I carry that spirit with me, the, the spirit to succeed the spirit to do the best I can. And yes, part of me is still, gosh darn it, I should have been in Moscow. But some of those athletes that you knew then, how, how did they react to that and deal with that? Oh, that was tough for a lot of them. Now, fortunately in Canada, they had, the, it's not the same, but it's kind of the same. They had the Pan American Games as we do here in the U.S. So it was a huge international competition, certainly not on the scale of the Olympics. And those are the year before the Olympics. Usually a year Usually. or two years, you know, they, they move, they've moved them all around over the decades. So some of them were able to do that. Some of them, one of them actually became my associate uh, as a chiropractor. He uh, was able to go to the Pan American Games in uh, Australia, um, and then he decided that he wouldn't go to the 1984 Olympics because it was like, you know, he could start his career as a doctor or take two more years to continue his event. Um, to this day, I'm sure it's it scarred him. Uh, it's left a big void in his life. You know, that something was taken from him that could never be replaced. Um, at, at least, you know, now, Tokyo 2020, it was moved back a year, but they could still go. Uh, yes, there's certain you know circumstances of you know they got to be healthy and they got to do all these testing and well, get all that stuff, but they could still hang. It's easier to hang in there for a year as opposed to we're never going, we're boycotting. Uh, so yeah, there there was quite a few people that I'm sure to this day have emotional scars and trauma from not even being able to go. Can you imagine spending your whole life for you know you get to throw a discus like three times. And like you don't get to do it or you get to do a sprint for 11 seconds and you don't get to go do it. Or like in, in my sport, sprint canoe kayak, you could go for like two minutes in, in your race and you don't even get to go do it. But you've spent 12 to 20 years trying to get ready. So Well, and that's the thing that something like that's taken from you, not because of anything you've done. And I know currently we've got, you know, all these people competing in Tokyo in the Olympics. Uh, many who would have been are not there because – after what happened last year, a lot of them decided not to go any farther. 2020 was going to be the end of it. Now, a lot of people 
kept their training up. They, they wanted to move on their lives, go on after, after swimming or after track and field or after cycling or whatever it might be. And they had to, you know, make a decision. Do I keep training? Because this, the sacrifice and the commitment and the time that's put into that is so incredible. And of course, along with that comes injuries. And we're going to talk today about how you help people deal with it, these injuries, specifically about concussions. You know, concussions has become the topic of concussions has become an extremely highly talked about issue now, more so than ever before. And we're seeing more and more treatments, more and more ways to deal with it. Basically, Evan, if you could, before we go to our first break here, tell people what is a concussion, because a lot of people aren't even really sure what it is. That's a really great question. Okay, so there are a couple of myths. So the first myth is you have to hit your head to get a concussion. And the answer is, no, you don't. The majority of concussions happen without even hitting your head. So if you do a YouTube YouTube search of Eric Lindros, successful hockey player, he was always a big kid. So there's one rule in hockey, you keep your head up. Well, he was such a massive kid and a massive man that he could roll over people like a bowling ball rolling over pins. So he never picked up his head. Nobody you know, clocked him, so to speak, uh, until Scott Stevens hit him. And he came across the blue line. This was in the Stanley Cup uh, playoff game. He had his head down. Scott Stevens put his shoulder to chest, hit him cleanly. So if you watch that video clip, it's about a minute uh, long. You see his head whip forward and backwards, and he was unconscious before he hit the ice. So his head didn't hit anything. But what happens is you're, you're your brain is like a bowl of jello inside your head, and it'll get sloshed back and forth inside your head. And when it hits the bones on the inside, you get swelling and blood supply problems happening and a whole bunch of things that we can talk about. My guest today is Dr. Evan Miladinoff. He's a chiropractor here in Kansas City, one of the most experienced people I've ever met in terms of dealing with concussions. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now... State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. The future of the two-party system. We have the Democrats who always have their challenges. It's a wide tent and therefore a challenging tent, but also the Republican Party that seems to be having really acute challenges. We've seen several of their U.S. senators say they're just not even going to seek re-election. And then we saw the insurrection on January 6th, where I think 147 of them still voted not to respect the electoral vote. It's a challenge when a party rejects Liz Cheney, a challenge when the party rejects their standard bearer, Mitt Romney, uh, a real challenge is what will be the heart and soul of the Republican Party. It does not vote well for our country. For more, Watch State of Play, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 Central, on the Black News Channel. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. 
a message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Today I'm talking with Dr. Ed Miladinoff. He's a chiropractor here in Kansas City. Very, very experienced uh, treat, treater of concussions and as well as other injuries. He's helped me deal with my back issues throughout the years and helps me get back out there working out every day. So Evan, let, so let's define what a concussion is. Let's start with that. And, and you, you were explaining for our break about Eric Lindros getting one, but concussion basically is what, and then we'll get into the treatment of it. So, so it, there's, if you look at the literature, there's, it goes all over the place. But here's the bottom line. Is a, a concussion is an injury to the brain where if, if you – banged your thumb with a hammer, it would get swollen and it would throb. If you bang your brain, it gets swollen and it throbs. Now, the problem is your brain is encased in a solid case of bone, so the swelling can't go anywhere. So wherever, that's, that's, that's a good way of describing it. So, so wherever the swelling goes is where you're going to have symptoms. And so if you get hit... Uh, helmet to helmet, like in football, you know, the, the crown of your head, your forehead to forehead hit. The first part is you're going to, the brain's going to hit the front of your head, then the brain's going to hit the, your back of your head, and it might hit the front of the head again. So if, if, if the back of the head is where the most of the swelling happens, then you can have balance problems. You can have speech problems. You can have some memory problems. And in, in most cases, most head trauma of any kind, you're going to have some short-term memory issues. Um, I had a bad injury uh, where I was riding my bike at a high speed. A guy ran a stop sign, plowed me over. 
Uh, my head bounced off the pavement three times, and um, that was about four years ago now. Um, I still have, for me, I have memory problems. You probably wouldn't notice them, but when I lecture, I don't have instant recall of, you know, literature I used to quote all the time that I knew like the back of my hand and I have to like I have to think about it now to recall some of those things so I'm about like 98 90% 99% back but somebody who has not followed me in my lecture series trying to teach doctors about concussions they wouldn't know anything's wrong but I know instantly that I still don't have full memory recovery and we're talking four years later but that's that doesn't happen to everybody. Though that can happen to some people. It cannot happen to some people. Correct. So this, there's four major areas of where symptoms can happen. So you can have physical symptoms. You can have headaches. You can have balance problems. Uh, you can have neck pain. Uh, you can have um, problems with your eyes, not being able to focus. You may have you know blurry vision. You may fall asleep when you read, or, or you may not even be able to read because the you know the words are fuzzy on the page. Uh, you can have sleep problems. Sleep problems are huge in concussions because that's when our body repairs itself. So if you're not sleeping properly because you're hypervigilant, uh, because your brain is like just fired up all the time, then you, you can't recover. Then, of course, there's the, the mental, emotional, cognitive function that gets altered. You, you, the kids can't perform in school properly or they get headaches after being in school a couple of hours or the noise in the school or the lights in the school affects them. Uh, we, we've had lots of kids where they've been sent back to play and yet when we, they go back to school, they just can't handle it. And by noon, they're in the nurse's office. They got headaches, they're nauseous, they're lightheaded, and, and they got to be sent home because of all that intellectual stuff they have to handle. So how do you identify and, and, and validate somebody has a concussion versus not? That's a, that's a really great question. So, so if I could back that up. So when you get a concussion, should you go to the emergency room? And the answer is yes. If, if in doubt, go to the emergency room. If there's nobody there at the competition supervising healthcare. So what, ha what happens in the emergency room, and here is the big misnomer, is that emergency rooms are there to determine is this a life or death ominous threatened problem? Is there internal bleeding in the brain? Is there something serious going on here? The good news is 95% of the time or higher, that's not the case. So it doesn't happen. So th that's Problem number one is just because you go to ER and they say you're okay doesn't mean you're okay. Okay, so if that's the case, what do you do? Okay, so then there's, there's the next group of things. And actually, we're going to do a webinar in a, in a couple of weeks on August 17th where we're going to coach people how to do a few tests at home that you can start to figure out. So, for example, you can't fake your balance. So if you just stand there with your feet together, close your eyes, you should be able to stand still for 20 seconds without moving. Um, there's a bunch of other tests that should be done, but that's a real simple one. Um, if you have so a, you're, what you're saying is, if someone can't do that, then they, they very well may have a concussion. Well, their, their balance mechanism could be altered, and so so then some more sophisticated balance tests should be done. Uh, you can't fake your blood pressure. So one of the things that happens when when you get hit in your head, your ability of your brain to control your blood pressure gets altered. So simply wherever your head goes, your blood pressure should go. So if your head goes down like you lay down, your blood pressure should go down. If you stand up, even if you're sitting, your blood pressure should go up a little bit. So if you got a blood pressure cuff at home, your child's had a, you know, a, a concussion, and again, your head doesn't have to hit anything, Take their blood pressure, but take it three ways. Take it sitting first, then have them lay down, 
take the blood pressure laying down, and then have them stand up. So when they go from sitting to laying down, that first number should drop about 8 to 10 points. And then when they go from laying down to standing, that first number should go up about 8 to 10 points. So if they, and here's what happens a lot in concussions. When they lay down, their blood pressure goes up instead of going down. And then when they go from laying to standing, their blood pressure drops instead of increases. And so they get a little dizzy or lightheaded. And so they got to hang on for a second or two before they take a step because they might fall. And so that's something easy that you can do at home. Uh, it's not it's not a ominous, life-threatening thing, but it's just a little red flag that says, okay, something is off here and you need a little more evaluation. So one of the, one of the uh, things I hear from a lot of people, oh, you just get a concussion from playing football. You can get a concussion from doing anything, obviously, in any sport. I know in, when it comes to sports, I've noticed swimmers who've, instead of turning, they'll crash into the wall. I've seen volleyball players who've fallen down and hit their heads on the court. I mean, you hear all kinds of things like this. So anybody can get a concussion. And it doesn't just have to be an athlete. It could be anybody. Absolutely. We In our clinic, we actually see more patients that are non-athletes. Uh, we had a patient come in last week. Mom was um, nursing her baby, right? She's, so she's holding a baby, and then the phone rings. So she's still nursing the baby. She picks up the phone, and then all of a sudden the baby lunges off her breast. And so she, she's got a choice. Okay, do I deal with the phone or deal with the baby. Obviously, she deals with the baby. Well, she missed the baby. She fell back, hit her head on the countertop on the kitchen, and then she's got a massive headache. And then the next thing you know, she's dizzy. She's lightheaded. So a lot of things like that happen. Uh, we, we have you know, our, our aging population um, get up in the middle of the night because they got to go to the bathroom. Well, a lot of patients will slip and fall and hit their heads. Um, so more concussions happen because of those kind of things uh, than actually in sports. Uh, another great area where concussions happen is in car accidents. If you get a whiplash injury, uh, again, your head doesn't have to hit anything, but your your brain gets sloshed around inside your head. And when it hits the bones on the inside, again, it's like hitting your thumb with a hammer. It's going to get swollen. And wherever that swelling happens is where you're going to have symptoms. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me today is Dr. Evan Mladenov. He's a chiropractor here in Kansas City with tremendous experience dealing with concussions, dealing with athletes, dealing with people. And we're talking about concussions, what causes them. And when we come back from our next break, we're going to talk about some of the symptoms and how to treat it and how you get over it and eventually move on from it. Because let's face it, concussions are not just in sports, they're in life, and everybody can get them. So this is something I think is an important show for us to discuss. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. Our topic today, the pandemic or post-pandemic, as we talk about the human and work-related hiccups and possible residuals resulting from the pandemic. Now, the takeaway for me, or the startling reality for me at least, was that I knew this pandemic has had its impact. I mean, over 600,000 Americans dead, so many Americans sick, and we know our schedules would change, but it seems to have pulled the covers off of a lot of other issues, a lot of other fissures within our society, and particularly in the area of the workspace. For more, watch State of Play TV, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 central on the Black News Channel, or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. 
America. Your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810, WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports, and today I'm having a fascinating interview with Dr. Evan Vladinoff. He is a chiropractor here in Kansas City. I've known him for years and years and has treated me for, for back issues and other issues, does a great job, very professional, and a man with tremendous experience in this as, as an athlete as well as as a chiropractor. Uh, working with the Canadian Olympic team years ago and also with Kansas City Chiefs and other uh, professional teams around the country. And so, Evan, what's the first question you're asked by a parent if they bring their kid in for treatment? A, do I have a concussion? And then what What else are they, they going to ask you? 
That's a really great question. So the first thing the athlete wants to know, and it doesn't matter if it's a 10-year-old or a Kansas City Chiefs professional athlete, first thing they want to know is, Doc, when can I play? And, and you'll see this on the sidelines in games too. Okay, one sec. Why is that the first question people ask so much? What do you think? Be- okay, so there's two parts of that. The first is b- back up before all the, this, this uh, awareness of concussions now over the past five years anyway is the athletes want to play. They will push themselves to play. They will ask their bodies to do bizarre things, and they don't care about the the adverse effects after. Um, so now, with all the information we have about concussions now, they know that there's going to be protocols in place that will determine when they can go back to play. So they, they're going to minimize things uh, so they can go back and play. Now, parents have a little bit different view. Some parents, and I, and I was asked this as late as last week or early as the last week, is, you know, the parents say, when am I going to get my son back? When, I get, when am I going to get my daughter back? Because this is not my son. You know, he, his sleeping habits have changed. I can't have a conversation with my son. He can't stay all day at school. He can't get his schoolwork done. Never mind being able to get back to us. When am I going to get my child back? So those are the two biggest questions. When can I play? Or when can my child play? Or when am I going to get my child back like he was before this trauma happened? And okay, so, so how do you answer that? Because that, that's a great, great question to ask, and how you answer that probably can cause more anxiety or ease people's concerns. Uh, absolutely. So, so what we've done is we've created this metric where it looks like a bullseye, and the bullseye is a graphic representation of all the examinations we do on the patient. And, and a lot of it is technology that we actually get a score. So, for example, one of the things that, ha- that happens to the brain is you can have a, an, a disruption of the blood supply to your brain. It do- there's not as much blood flow to your brain, so your brain needs blood flow, it needs oxygen, and it needs fuel. So if it's not getting enough blood flow there, that's a problem. So we create this met- metric. So picture this bullseye. you got a red circle on the outside, then a yellow circle, then a green circle, and then the black bullseye. And so there's about 20 tests we have on there with the technology we use. So, for example, if their arterial elasticity, how their arteries work, is in an abnormal range, let's say it's in the red range, which it oftentimes is after a concussion, it, it's easy to see, hey, listen, you have you know, eight of these 20 different markers out of that normal zone. So when all those parameters are back in that green zone in the bullseye, then we know you can go back and play. And so the things we're going to examine in detail with computerized testing is your blood supply to the brain. Uh, what's your balance doing? What's your head on neck position doing? Uh, what are your eyes doing? When your eyes move, your brain controls the movement of the eyes. So one of the first signs of a concussion is that your eyes don't work together. Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to ask you is, how do you know you have one, okay, from a physical perspective in terms of looking at somebody? Somebody may have one and not realize they have one. So what would be some of the obvious physical symptoms that you see? That's an excellent question because a lot of times what happens is it, if you have no symptoms, therefore you're healthy. And that's the worst thing you could do with a concussion. So that's why you're going to do like we talked about, take three blood pressures. If your blood pressures are off, okay, you might not have any symptoms until you go from laying down to standing up. Um, you may not have any signs of being dizzy, dizzy or lightheaded or balance problems, but if you stand with your feet together, close your eyes, can you stand up straight for 20 seconds without moving? So tests are designed to determine how close to normal you are so you can have symptoms without 
being tested properly, or you can have no symptoms and still have a concussion. So, so one of my favorite studies, this was done by Major League Baseball, I think in 2015, where they took two groups. They took a group of players that had concussions and then had a group of players that had, they were on the DL because of bereavement. So a family member died or something. They, they, they were given time off to Some play. Some kind of an emotional, psychological issue. Right, but it wasn't a physical. So they compared these two groups. And what they found was when, when the players went back, the concussed group, so I'm going to just pull up something here to make sure I get this right for your for your listeners. And, and quite simply, what happens is now if you're a baseball fan, you'll you'll understand this acutely. But what would happen if you have a significant decrease in your batting average? What you would get happen if frustrated? What would happen if you, you had a, your job? What would happen if you had a decrease based on balls percentage? What if you had a decrease slugging percentage? So all these all these you'll get param- overly stressed out too. Well, you're you're a Triple A baseball player now instead of a you know multi million dollar successful major leaguer, but they had no symptoms. So so the question is, what did they measure? And if symptoms is the only thing you're measuring for a concussion then you're not going to get back to the way you were before. And so we're starting to see this. So that's where we focused our attention on is, okay, how do we get the, the player back to full function and not be limited by symptoms? Because symptoms can steer you wrong all the time. So a couple of things that, that we do that way with some computerized testing that then guide us. So, for example, treatment may be some eye exercises. If your eyes don't work together then that sends confusing information to your brain, and so then that will prolong things. Um, you may have a neck problem. So a lot of patients, high majority of patients, will have neck pain after a concussion, so they may need some care, some structural physical care for their neck. Um, other patients, they may have uh, you know, emotional symptoms. They may have trouble you know, focusing on school, and that's where uh, we've sent you quite a few patients, as you have to us, to make sure we get the emotional part under control too. Let's let's talk about that for a moment. So from a psychological slash emotional perspective, it can be really frustrating when you can't play your sport, especially if you're a high school athlete with or a younger athlete with dreams of maybe playing past high school. Um, you worry when you get an injury like this, what's going to happen to me when I, you know, everybody wants to come back sooner than they should. Everybody wants to rush it back. Um, so how do you deal with that component of it from the, the psychological, emotional perspective? There, there are um, th- three different areas that we need to deal with, and that is, okay, what steps have to happen for an, for an athlete or anyone to return to participation or return to play? Or just return to their normal life, per se, well, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be, but there's also a return to learn. So schools, and the curious thing is there's only eight states in the country that have laws in place for what should happen for kids to return to learn or the intellectual uh, return to school. There's there's almost no criteria for return to drive. So you know, should a kid start to drive or someone who has been in a car accident who has a concussion, should they be allowed to drive after the car accident? And hardly any physicians know about this. Um, so there are certain criteria that have to happen to return to play, to return to school, to return to drive, to return to work. And and actually, we'd be happy to send you a list of these criteria if you're not familiar with them. Um, if you would like to, we're going to do a webinar. If I could just give a little promo here, Doc. If you... Uh, August 17th, we're going to do a webinar specifically about some of these topics in a lot more detail. So if you just type the word concussion and type it to 
1-800-273-1326. We'll send you some information about the webinar. We'll send you the criteria about what do you have to do to return to play? What do you have to do to return to learn? What do you have to do to return to drive? Because you know, if you're a physician or your caregiver who's guiding you or your child to return to full participation in all aspects of their life is not aware of these criteria, you're going to come back too soon. And so the first thing that happens is you can have no symptoms, but if you start to work out and then you start to get symptoms, guess what? You've done too much and, and you're gonna, you got to cut back. So you need someone guiding you in those return-to-play, return-to-work facilities to, to get you back without then recreating the injury. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Dr. Evan Miladinoff. He's one of the top chiropractors in the country. We're talking about concussions, how you identify them, how you deal with it, how you treat it, how you move on from it. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. And our topic today, the technology gap, especially for communities of color, whether it's jobs, businesses, or the adverse impact in getting credit or uh, in the criminal justice system. These um, automated decision systems have to be taught how to make decisions. They don't just grow on trees. And so the question is, is how do we teach them? We teach them by feeding past data, past human decisions, whether it's who gets loans, who gets paroled, um, you know, who gets the job. So we take that historic data and we train these systems how to make future predictions and decisions. It's almost as if technology is sort of uh, trailing alongside systemic inequalities. For more, watch State of Play TV, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 Central on the Black News Channel, or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I gotta tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation, and it feels good. Wow, your story is so... Uh, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> when people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. 
Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're the leader in sports, sports radio, 810 WHB. And my guest today is Dr. Evan Miladinoff. He is a chiropractor here in the Kansas City area, one of the top chiropractors I've ever met. Has worked with athletes at all levels, all the way from youth sports up to the Olympics. He was with the Canadian Olympic team for a while. He was with the Kansas City Chiefs for a while. He is, is also my doctor and has treated me. So I thought it'd be great to have him on as, as schools are starting to open up. And one of the things that happens with schools, with sports, is concussions, and not just sports, but life in general. And so one of the things we're going to get at today in this last segment is treatment of concussions and then how to, how to move on from there. So, so what is the treatment involved with when you have somebody who comes in that has a concussion or thinks they do? Um, that's a really great question. We use a multifaceted approach. So treatment could involve doing something for the brain itself. So number one, you got to get rid of any inflammation in the brain. Uh, we can use cold laser to do that. Uh, you may need to deal with there are nine metabolic or chemical pathways that can be upset when you have a concussion. So we may need to do some nutritional things to make some things work a little bit more or get rid of some things like uh, you, you've heard of some of these weird names like NF-kappa-beta and interleukin-6 or the cytokine storm. Basically, gasoline's been thrown on the fire and there's a huge inflammation going on in the brain. Um, then we might need to do some structural care on the neck. Uh, we might need to do some acupuncture. There's been a tremendous amount of research that shows how acupuncture helps in dealing with head trauma. Uh, we also have a couple of innovative things in our clinic that not too many clinics uh, in the country have and very even less in Kansas City have. We have a hyperbaric oxygen chamber uh, that we oftentimes put patients in. Uh, and then we have an eye tracking system that will give you eye exercises. So you might need some eye exercise at home. So we, we do a multifaceted approach. And so here's, here's one of the myths, Doc, and that is, okay, most of your listeners are probably here and say, oh, well, you know, a concussion will get better in about seven to 10 days. Well, you know, who came up with this idea? Uh, and, and the answer is when you start looking at the research, the British Medical Journal says you know, children, it takes an average of 23 days. Adults, an average of 19 days. Uh, the United States Air Force uh, Academy did a study on all of their cadets who got a concussion. They didn't care how it happened. Was it in football? Was it in an airplane? Or was it jumping out of an airplane uh, in a, with a parachute attached to you? They found that the average return to play was 29.4 days. So there, there's been a tremendous amount of studies. Again, we're going to talk about some of those in our webinar in a, in a week or so. But the average return to play is 29.4 days. So you're talking about a month. It's, it's at least a month. And that's the average. That's the average. I know I work with a professional soccer player years ago. He and a teammate got concussed on successive plays, both on headers, where they both were, were heading the ball and the opponent hit, hit their head. Uh, the particular guy that I saw, it took almost five months before he came back and played. His teammate was back the next week. And so, there's, that's, that's basically, Evan, because there's no two concussions that are the same. 10,000%. Right? If you've seen one concussion, you've seen one concussion. They're, 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 they're never the same. That's the great statement I've heard many times. 
when you've seen one, you've seen one because they're all different. Yeah, exactly. And, and to that point, it's like it goes back to what is your caregiver measuring? So very few of them will, will examine the brainwaves. So one of the things that we do, we, we, the patient has a swimming cap on, and there's electrodes in the swimming cap that sense your brainwaves. There are, you know, we measure 20 different spots in the brain, the electrical activity of your brainwaves, and you have five different brainwaves. And so what are those brainwaves doing? And specific patterns in specific parts of the head will show problems. So then one of the unique treatment things we do is something called neurofeedback, where it actually reprograms those brainwaves to work properly. And so th that's a tremendous thing that changes brain function and normalizes brain function. So treatment then, there are a variety of different things you can do to treat concussions. The average, you're saying, is, is usually the average is 30 days for, for a lot of people to be able to come back from it where you're able to feel pretty much be back to normal. Correct. Some now, people, now we're, it could be sooner, but a lot of people could be a lot longer. Okay, so now, now all those studies are on high-performance athletes. Okay, but again, you know, what was measured? So there's been studies that have shown, for example, that a year after a concussion, patient has no symptoms, but they didn't return to their normal performance level in sports. They had, when they measured their brain waves, their brainwaves were still off a year later. So, so what? So basically, from that perspective, the long-term effects and consequences can be what? Well, the, the devastating effects are we've heard about this with that movie Concussion uh, and the NFL story of CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. So if if you hear about that, you know those words, chronic traumatic encephalopathy or CTE, um, it's a post-mortem diagnosis. The the patient has to be dead for them to get that diagnosis. But basically what that is is inflammation in the brain is so great that it causes the brain physically to shrink. It, it shrinks in size. So again, do, do a quick search on uh, NFL uh, uh, concussions, and you'll see there was a story in Life magazine a few, maybe about two years ago, just after that movie came out, where the front of the magazine showed 100 brains uh, and then you could link onto those, and basically it showed how much each each brain had shrank from the head trauma. And you, when you look at those, no two brains were the same of where they shrank and how much they shrank. Okay, let me ask this question. Uh, when someone gets concussed, can they pretty much come back and be normal, be, have a normal life again and be fine, or, or are they going to have long-term effects that will prohibit them from really being who they were before? Um, the answer is yes and yes. So yes, you can return to a full, normal, productive lifestyle. Will you ever get back to what you were like before? And the question is, you know, how did you take care of yourself? So I know that my long-term memory recall is not as sharp as it used to be. And I know when I'm off, but somebody looking at me wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So, you know, how do you look? So an athlete who has high expectations of himself will know when he's off 1%. So does that mean he didn't return to normal? And the answer is, to him, he didn't return to normal. But to everybody else, it's like he's back like there was never anything wrong. So you know, what prism do you look through at yourself? What expectations do you have of yourself will determine that? I don't, I don't worry about that. I don't linger on that. I struggled with it emotionally for a long time where I couldn't remember stuff when I was working on a patient. And finally, my, my son, Dr. Chip, who you've had on the show a few times, he said, uh, you know what? If you don't remember, that's okay. You're getting frustrated. You're getting angry. Just it's okay that you didn't remember. Just ask me or just look it up. Can – and obviously people can get multiple concussions. Can you feel fine again like you were before? 
Yes, absolutely. Can you be symptom-free? Yes. Uh, so now here's part of the problem is that we see a lot of patients that, you know, they, they go to ER, they get cleared, but they are given drugs to, to deal with symptoms. Well, the drugs will get rid of the symptoms, but if they still have the blood pressure problems, if they still have balance problems. So the long-term, the long-term problems can be physical mostly, mostly that could affect your but But the point is like, okay, just the absence, getting rid of symptoms is not the only answer to return you to normal. Because if you stand up that's, and you get dizzy important. and... Okay, that's important to know. You know, if you stand up, you get dizzy and lightheaded, it's like, okay, you could fall over and hit yourself again. You know, if you turn your head fast and you get dizzy or lightheaded and you're driving, and you could cause an accident, right? So the absence of symptoms does not fully uh, mean you've recovered from a concussion. So you need to have some other kind of normal... Here's a good example, Doc. If you have a little low air pressure in your front left tire of your car... Can you drive your car? And the answer is, yeah, heck yeah. And you can you know, oversteer the car. But if, you let, if you're going slow, you let go of the steering wheel, the car is going to veer off to the left side because of the low air pressure in the car. But you can still overdrive it. So your body's the same way. You've got you to look at physiological what's going on and not just getting rid of symptoms. So our last minute here, what would you suggest to people who feel they've had a concussion? What should they do? Where should they go? Okay, so that's a great question. So the, the first thing is, okay, uh, are you continuing to have symptoms? And then the second is, what kind of evaluation did you have? Did they examine your brainwaves? Did they do blood pressure studies? Did they examine your eyes? And if they didn't do any of those things, then, then you need to get to a clinic where they do those physiological functional tests. And, and we'd be happy to do that. And again, we, we're doing a webinar in a couple of days that would be perfect that you could get a lot more information. So if you just type in the word concussion and set, text it to 844-539-1326, we're doing that webinar on August the 17th. I think it's 7 p.m. Okay, so our shows are podcasted all over, and, and people can listen to it in, in six months if they want to get this information down the road. How can they reach you? Okay, so if they, if they need evaluation... Uh, for you know concussion that someone's still having symptoms, they can give our clinic a call at 913-491-1071, or we've got all kinds of information on our website. So www.maladnoffclinickkc.com. Um, we'd be happy to help you. And if you're out of the Kansas City area, listening somewhere else, get to it. Get to an emergency room. Get somewhere where you can get evaluated. Make sure you're okay and, and follow up with that. Correct. Make sure make sure there's no life-threatening problem. Make sure there's no internal bleeding in the head. Once you've got that done, then you need to evaluate physiological functions. Evan, thanks again for being on. Great information. It's going to help a lot of people. I appreciate it. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Our shows are podcasted all over. You can follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. Give me a call at 816-561-5556. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. Our topic today, the future of policing in America. But once you have a historical context, you understand why once there was professional policing in this country, it was really designed to patrol uh, slaves, as well as other sort of new immigrant types who came to America. And so you understand better why there's pushback in the police department. They may want to do it, but it institutionally was uh, anchored in having that kind of mission. 
So maybe defund the police is the way to go. You know, start anew. I'm not sure. For more, watch State of Play TV Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 central on the Black News Channel or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke anime Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.